It's easy to follow Jesus, to follow the teachings of the church, to strive after holiness when it makes us feel good or when it's something that naturally comes to us. But our glorification and sanctification not simply, or not, do not consist in simply doing the things that make us feel good or uplift our spirits, but of giving everything for the gospel, of allowing our entire life to be given for the glory of God. This comes at a great cost. It is not easy at times. In my own life and in my own journey as a Dominican, part of the process of you know, going through formation is that there are certain points where you have to submit, like for your solemn vows, for, uh, at, for ordination to the diaconate and to the priesthood, you have to submit an application and do all this. You know, it's canon law, it requires it. And then there's a vote, and then it goes through. Now, solemn vows is different because for us, that's like the moment where the choice has to be made, whether this brother really is a good fit for the community and whether the brother believes himself to be called to this life. So that's a real rigorous point. But after that, in my 12 years now in the order, when a brother applies for the diaconate or for the priesthood, that whole process is more or less a rubber stamping. Now, some brothers have gotten there and decided, well, I I need a little more time or I'd like to wait a year. Um, But in my 12 years, no brother has been denied at the point of uh, application for diaconate or priesthood Uh, the vote and the support of the provincial and the student master, except for me. (laughs) Except for me. That is like my one distinction, perhaps, in the province, is that when I, on the day of the vote for uh, application, where they were considering applications for the diaconate, I was called into the student master's office and told abruptly and with little to no explanation that I no longer enjoyed the support of the student master or the provincial in my application for the diaconate. It was an incredible blow. Because up until that point, and frankly since that point, my life in the order has been one of joy. I have I felt so alive in the order. It's, it's not been easy, but it's come to me in an easy way. Like I, I, I feel myself thriving and growing and living in this life. And all of a sudden, I was thrown into the depths. I was hurt in what I felt was an unjust and capricious way. In fact, not only was I told, you're not going to be ordained a deacon, but my best friend from college, I had to call him and tell him, you know that wedding that I was supposed to do for you and for your wife? Can't do that anymore. That was a horrible conversation. You don't you know, try to make people cry, but when you know you're going to have to, it's, it's horrible. Not only that, but the student master told me that, you know how you were planning to go to Vietnam for a couple of weeks this summer to help teach the brothers? You're going two weeks after school gets out. So I was sent to the other side of the world. I, was, I had to make this embarrassing call to my best friend and say, I can't really explain to you why, but I'm not going to be ordained. And on top of that, <laughs> this was the, the one that really kind of threw me for a loop, I was told I had to start going to therapy. And not that there's anything wrong with going to therapy, but I wasn't quite sure why I was being forced to go to therapy. And when I started therapy, it wasn't quite clear as to why I was there either. All of a sudden, my life was a cross. My life was a frust... Every moment, perhaps the icing on the cake, is that I also sat next to the student master in my choir stall at prayer. So every time we went to prayer in the studio, I had to sit next to the person who I really didn't care for 
at that point in my life. And it just seemed like everything was going wrong. And I couldn't understand why. I couldn't understand what I had done to be put into that position. My spiritual director met with me a few days after all of this dust had settled, and he helped me realize something. And it's what Jesus is getting at in the gospel today. There are many things for which we can live. There are many things that give us joy, that inspire us, that ignite our heart on fire, but there is ultimately only one thing for which we can die. And we have to choose that wisely. And for us to be happy, for us to be saints, for us to follow after God's will, that one thing has to be God. The summation of love, and we, feel, we see love all over our life. We experience in myriad ways. Thanks be to God for that. But there is ultimately only one love that will satisfy, only one love that will bring meaning and purpose even to the depths, and it is the love of God. It is the love of God the Father that led God the Son, Jesus Christ, God incarnate, to the cross. And because he loved the Father perfectly, he loved us perfectly. And so too for us. It's not just that we love, we have to get the order of love correct as well. We have to love God above all else. We have to make the consistent choice to give our lives in service of the Lord when it is easy, but more importantly and especially when it is difficult. Because it is from this gift of self upon which the church is built. We know, brothers and sisters, this last year, but in, in, on top of that, the last 50, 60 years, that we have seen a withdrawal of many people from the church. And the future of the church is not in acceding to and acquiescing to the things of this world, but in each one of us making that choice to die for God so that others might live in His glory. When Jesus died, He had 11 apostles, all of whom had abandoned Him, except for one, John was at the cross with Mary. So in our moments of doubt and difficulty and perhaps even the weight of the cross bearing down heavy upon us, it's understandable to feel isolated, to feel alone, to cry out like Jesus from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As we move more and more toward Good Friday, next weekend we will have the reading of the Passion. We are reminded of the love that God has for us through what he was willing to endure. We heard from the letter to the Hebrews, in the days when Christ Jesus was in the flesh, he offered prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. But here we go. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. The message of the gospel is that when we bring even those difficult things to the Lord, we are glorified and sanctified. It's easy to give love to the people who make us feel good. But love is not that. That is a vestige of love. That's an image of love. For instance, in marriage, love is not just saying, I do at the altar and having that great, wonderful celebration. Love is saying, when we get to that wall, when we get to that obstacle, it's not a matter of if in any relationship, especially marriage, when we get to that place where we are suffering and struggling, that I am going to die for you, to get you over that. 
And when that is done in mutual self-gift, you are both lifted up, sanctified, not just forever, but also so that when the next wall, when the next obstacle comes, you can learn how to give your life even more for another. We settle for the simple love, and God always calls us to the deeper, perfect love. And the beautiful part, perhaps more than any of all of this, is that we hear in the first reading from the prophet Jeremiah, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. We tend to look at love and relationships and even our relationship with God as a quid pro quo contract. God does this for me, I do this for God. But that's not the love that God has for us, nor is it the love that we should have for God. God's love is a covenant. It cannot and will not be broken. And so too for us, we must give in the same way. We must recognize in our brokenness, we must realize that this covenant was ratified by the blood of the Lamb. So that in any moment, when we choose to die with God, we find ourselves lifted up and living with Him in new ways. Because the beauty, the irony of the cross, perhaps the scandal of it, is that it is through Good Friday, it is through that choice to die for God, that we find new life and we find it more abundant.